Welcome back to episode five of Podshots with your hosts, Brandon Zemp and Clement Young. This week on Podshots, we talk about the life and times of Leonardo DiCaprio. Leo is a legend in Hollywood and has set a high standard for actors and actresses. He has also made a number of personal contributions to humanitarianism and climate change. Our liqueurs of choice this week are Bacardi Superior and Havana Club. Bacardi Superior has a smooth, subtle taste of notes and almonds that doesn't dominate like gin or disappear like vodka and is perfect for cocktails. Havana Club is another fantastic rum that is also slightly sweet with hints of vanilla, aged, hints of cinnamon, tobacco, orange peel, and this dry oak aroma. So what can I say? These are two fantastic rums of choice today. So with that said, sit back, relax, have a drink, and enjoy episode five of Podshots. Oh, it's so exciting. (laughs) (laughs) What is this? Is this Cinco? Episode five? This is episode five. We're on fifth now. We need an anniversary drink. <laughs> um, we do. When we get to ten, we'll have a we'll have something special. Yeah, like after the episode, uh, I'll have a drink. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, yeah, this is yeah. Fine, tell, tell the audience why you have to have a drink after this episode, Clement. Let's be honest. Why don't you tell them what happened? T- tell tell them what happened about what about um, your lack of beverage today. Oh, yeah. No, I couldn't get my hands on uh, Bacardi, which is what we were supposed to drink. But for some reason, Bacardi is out of stock. Um, must be a popular Bacardi month. So I got well, I was, Havana. We were full, full stock here. I mean, <laughs> they must have shipped it all to Columbia. Mm, I'm sure you got full stock there, bro. Oh, yes. I'm probably going to skip Yeah, that. so this week, it's a special episode because I'm the only one drinking no, because. no, I have, I have found an alternative which we can oh, feature. You have it's, like a co, it's like a co-feature with Bacardi. It's, like, it's a co-liqueur. Yeah, co-liqueur. let me grab it. It's called, <laughs> it's called Havana Club. Havana Club, okay. Especial. Yeah. So this is going to be a special episode where... So I'm holding mine up to the camera. And we have two different liqueurs, mm. Bacardi and Havana Club. Havana Club, and I've never actually tried this before, to be honest. I've never tried it, um, but it says that it's aged to perfection and deliciously smooth. Um, it's good. So yeah. Plus, it's amber colored. It's not. Oh. Yeah, no, not Sounds lovely. Right. So is it aged? Um, so I don't even. That, I don't know if that makes it better, but it looks better. But is it aged? Like, has it been sitting in a barrel or what? Um, it doesn't tell you how old it is, but you know how they are, right? They'll say anything. Um, well, as long as it doesn't have those fancy botanicals like the gin from last time. Or that like shit just random, <laughs> you know, like single cell <laughs> organisms floating around inside. Yeah. We have a microbiome in, <laughs> in our alcohol. It does not make sense. They should be dead, but they're floating around. <laughs> have you ever eaten one of the um, worms in tequila? Uh, you know, it's kind of not really a thing. It's, um, but some tequila bottles put the worm in there, but it's, um, you don't see it very often. It's more of like a, a decoration, I guess. Mm, you don't see it often. No, you don't. 
Oh God, I have. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, it's not advisable. Um, yeah. I, when I was a kid we had a bottle on the shelf and I was told that it was tequila and I was like, why is there a worm at the bottom of this tequila bottle? Oh, yeah. <laughs> As I had no idea why. And I'm like, this tequila must be bad. <laughs> and then it took, <laughs> took me a while to understand that it was a thing. Yeah, but, man. It was, it's so cool though. I mean, if you're in a bar and you're with your buddies and you're just talking about stuff and you pull off the top shelf alcohol um, and you have a look in each of them, there's like a, at least in the bars that I used to go to, they had stuff like lizards in there and things. It was just oh, odd, really odd. And we took a shot of the one with the lizard in, and I almost threw up. I almost threw up because I just couldn't bear the thought of just decaying flesh, you know. Yeah, I don't know if I could do the lizard. Maybe the worm, mm-hmm. not the lizard. Mm-hmm. But there is no worm or lizard in Bacardi. No, and nor in Havana this, Club. No, not at all. But Bacardi is pretty commercial pretty mainstream um there's a dope it is a well, this one is the the blanca the the clear one mm. the uh the boring one the one with less flavor mm. which is good for shots does it so, really have less flavor than the the amber colored ones yeah well rums are sweeter rums you know they sometimes they got like a spice to it um you know, they, they, they make it so that, you know, you're supposed to have like some flavor to it. So you're supposed to drink a darker rum. Those are the best ones. Right. But because I'm taking shots, I don't want to buy a nice rum and then waste it on a shot. Mm. So we're hey, going hey, hopefully one time. day we'll be sponsored with very nice drinks and we won't waste them on shots. Mm. I mean, we will have shots. We will be sponsored. We won't be wasted. The finest. Oh, that's a tall shot. That was that was a mistake. <laughs> okay, it's the first one. It's gonna it's gonna get things kicked off in the right way. Yeah, I'm about to kick off my liver in a minute. Mm. All right, so I got my first shot poured. You ready? I'm ready. Okay, three, two, uh, one. Cheers. Three, two, one, tink. Mm. Oh yeah. Hmm. Hmm. That's got a oh kick. God. That was. I like Bacardi. I bored too too tall of a shot. Yeah, this is very powerful <laughs> okay. stuff. But today's chaser is sponsored by Budweiser. <laughs> today's chaser is sponsored by um, Mox and Spencer's very strong tea. Very strong tea. Mm. Uh, that's a fancy chaser. Oh, I go I, I cheap. Let's go with the Budweiser. And Weiser Bush. What uh, percentage uh, volume is yours? <clears throat> it's commercial, so it's well, actually this is thirty-five. Oh God, okay, yeah. No, mine's very strong. Mine's forty, and I, I took me about forty. Like the forty's like the commercial top. Mm, yeah, so like yeah. when you when you get anything that's commercial that you can buy generally at any store uh, across your country across the world, you know they top it off usually at forty. Yes, that's um, correct. Yeah, I don't I don't know if there's like a standard for it, but I think there is. Um, And then once you get over 40, usually you get out of like the commercial zone and you start having different (laughs) private label stuff, mom and pop stuff, moonshine, (laughs) some crazy shit. Jail Um, jail drinks. Jail. (laughs) Gulag drinks. (laughs) The gulag. Yeah. Oh my God. It'd be an awful drink called the gulag. (laughs) (laughs) I should have been playing Call of Duty because I I was so bored. I, I, I just... I gave in to my temptations. I bought a PS4 
and I downloaded right. that game and um, there's a gulag. I don't know if you know about this, but there's like a, yeah. there's like a whole meme about it right now. And it's, yep. it is pretty funny because you don't really know what it is until you play it and you're like, oh, that's what it means. And there's a lot of people making videos on, uh, on TikTok right. playing Call of Duty in the gulag. <laughs> yeah. And it's really funny. People come up with all kinds of funny shit, but that, that stuff's entertaining to watch. I don't necessarily like playing games anymore. Yeah. Um, like if I do want to play a game, I like playing the old stuff. I like the simple stuff. Like what? Like it's gotten so real that it just... I don't see the point. Like I like my realities. <laughs> I don't need feel the need to escape that much. Oh, you mean um, like not as like military sim realistic games? You, you well, it feels so real now. Right. Like if I picked up a controller to play on PS4 and Xbox, um, oh, and I play like Call of Duty or something. It feels so real. Yeah, it's true. It's ver a scary. It's scary how realistic it is. And then think about how it's going to be in the next ten years. I mean. We're going to ditch the controller, oh, probably. You're just keep running we're around in our living room, killing each other. <laughs> VR, my friend, VR. We'll all be in VR. We'll be fully immersed. It'll be incredible. But, you know, it's like if you want to escape your reality, that's an awesome outlet. Wonderful. Mm -hmm. But, I mean, I have no problem with my reality. I'm in a beautiful place surrounded by beautiful men, women with amazing alcohol and uh, cheap drinks, cheap, cheap, amazing food. You know, things to do. Like, I'm like, why would I need to escape my reality and go shoot someone in the gulag? <laughs> oh, dude, man, trust me. That's why I haven't had one. And that's why I only bought one recently because obviously I'm not going anywhere. <laughs> I'm stuck in. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, these, these trying times, you know, being stuck in quarantine, I don't blame anybody. Yeah. But it, I, don't I wouldn't even say it's a good pastime to have either because after having gotten back into it again a little bit, I. Uh, it, it's true. It just, it's just not, it's not a very productive thing to do. I mean, not many things are very productive to do that we do regularly I, anyway, but, yeah. but there's something about sitting there for about two or three hours, just playing straight, which makes you feel kind of guilty afterwards and maybe not too good inside as well. Hmm. Yeah. You know, when I, when I was younger, I used to play a lot. I used to play two things. I had a Game Boy, so I'd play Pokemon Mm -hmm. uh, so I was trying to be a Pokemon master. Wow. Wow. <laughs> um, that shit's fun though. Like there's so much math involved in it too. Cause like you, if you really are like a nerd when it comes to Pokemon, you can get involved in like the breeding process and you can make all these <laughs> weird the breeding, breeding combinations. So and, and then, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really intricate. Most people don't realize that, but some of these old games came out like 2005, 2006. You can do some crazy ass shit. Oh, on God. the Game Boy. It's pretty incredible. I love that stuff. Yeah. Um, I wish I had my Game Boy. I remember and then, those days, man. They were good. Yeah. They yeah. were good fun. And, and it then I had my show, like It just goes to show you don't need something super complex to be highly entertained. You know, you can play something really stupid with very low resolution graphics for so long and still feel like it's fun. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the stupid games are the fun games because you're just playing a game. Yeah. Like, you know, once it becomes real and then it's like, you take it very seriously, like you, your emotions get involved. <laughs> so like I, I used to play Xbox all the time when I was in high school and throughout college. I mean, everything from Madden to like Forza racing games and, um, Call of Duty and Halo. Once you get into the shooting games though, and you start like building like a character and everything and you get killed, 
man, it, it gets emotional. You can have like breakdowns because of that. I've seen it. Yeah. Well, we used to play Madden all the time in college and we'd get super competitive mm. every day, like after a class or after football practice or something like that, we'd all get together and we'd have like these little Madden tournaments and we'd get them so hyped up and we'd get so emotionally involved that when you'd lose, you're outside running across campus, like having a fit, <laughs> taking a lap, <laughs> taking a lap of shame. <laughs> yeah, there's been, there's even been crimes committed killings, you know, as far as that, I mean, very rarely, but people yeah. get highly engaged and identified with these things. And it's, uh, it's really sad. It's really sad. Yeah. I think, I think that's the problem with some of these shooting games. Cause those have always been like controversial and it's almost funny to look back and see how they were talking about it being controversial when a shooting game was so like basic and so simple and not mm. so realistic. Yeah. But now it feels so real. You feel like you actually are in the gulag mm. <laughs> or you feel like you're actually going after the forerunners in Halo. Like it feels so real. Like you're in the game half the time, even though you're on a controller and then you get so emotionally invested into it and you get addicted to it. And then you have a life online. If you play online, like with PUBG or Fortnite and shit like that, Mm. Um, you know, you start investing so much of yourself into it. Yeah. You know, I, I think it I, really I, depends. Imagine. I mean, it really depends again. And I, and I, I don't know. I don't know if you can, I was thinking about this in a shower earlier about why certain people act the way they do when they play these games, because I can hear all of them mm-hmm. on the communications, right? But you can't turn it off as far as I can tell. So I can hear my teammates and the opposition talking between rounds and they're really going at it with each other, you know? They're really getting, their egos are getting invested. And that's when I realized, if you're if you're emotionally intelligent, you don't let something like that bug you. And you don't let something like that dictate the way you react or act to people. But the ones that can't control their emotions are the ones that have fits. And um, there's a lot of people like that <laughs> playing this game. So, yeah, yeah I think it's... Yeah, I don't think most people are emotionally intelligent. It's kind of a new concept. And, you know, most people lead with their emotions rather than, you know, analyze and make decisions based on their emotions. Yeah. Hashtag shower thoughts. Shower thoughts are the best, bro. Shower thoughts. Do you have lots of shower thoughts as well? This is getting really weird really quickly. But it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, we all, we all think we about shit in the shower. <laughs> I, I have personal arguments in the shower. <laughs> what? Like, yeah, like I, mind. <laughs> I get in the shower and I think about scenarios and, and I'm just like, well, and I start like having personal arguments like with myself, like what if they said this or what if they said that? And like, this is totally what I'd say. Kind of and then your voice like, echoes in the shower. It's like better than actually like trying to sing in the shower. Like, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what it is, but. I don't know if I have. I, I feel, when you get in the shower, the first thing you want to do is argue with yourself. <laughs> You're like, I need to get all this out. Hey, you you want to get out of the shower, back to real life. I got someone <laughs> you can talk to. I'll give you their number after the show. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> no, I, I don't know if I I'll probably do that too. I think we all do that, don't we, to some extent? Like, as a kind of, a kind of like a dialogue. Yeah, it's, in our it brain. feels like this weird meditation. You know, you get in the shower, you go through the motions and everything, but you're in there and you're like, to yourself sounds drained out by the water and you're just kind of like relaxed and you're just like, well, well shit, do I masturbate or think about life? (laughs) (laughs) I've never really been able to do that. I know this is, so this is where it's going next. This is the next step. So I, I've never really been able to do that in the shower. I don't know how people do it. I've just never, I've never been able to like, it's a thing. 
masturbate in the shower. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, we're not talking about that. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. So that was a spinoff, but let's let, loop it back around again. Um, yeah. They say that it's because the, 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 the heat or the, I don't know if it's the heat or the sensation of the water hitting the top of your head stimulates blood flow. <laughs> I'm not sure if this is true. But no, I think, you know, you, it's, it's a warmer environment. You know, your body's relaxed. You probably have more ample blood flow. You're, you know, your, your mind's also relaxed. It's kind of like this Zen state for like five, 10 minutes. I don't know how long everyone showers, but you know, you're in there for a short period of time, but I mean, you're just so relaxed. So, you know, your thoughts flow. Yeah. A lot better than when you're sitting on the bed or yeah. at work or driving or at the store. Like you're just relaxed and all you're focusing on is mas- massaging that shampoo through your hair. Mm. So all, all kinds of thoughts are probably popping in your head. I know they pop into mine. Mm. So mm. I yeah, imagine I when you're in that shower, you have those hashtag shower thoughts. Even I even know some people who have told me they've got like a waterproof whiteboard in there that they just kind of write on, <laughs> which is so cool when you think about it because – Oh, I forget like half or more of these things. Um, but that'd be pretty, pretty cool to see an advertisement for. <laughs> Do you overthink a lot? Are you productive even in the shower? <laughs> yeah. Get our waterproof you whiteboard. In the shower? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Solving your. Well, there's water and soap in there. So if water and soap doesn't, you know, wipe everything off the whiteboard, I don't know how you clean the whiteboard. It's that'd be fine. a weird invention. Yeah, that's true. Well, who knows? But uh, it's waterproof paper. <laughs> huh? Waterproof paper. No, mm, waterproof paper. That's another one. But they say it's, well, I feel like when either when you're high on recreational drugs or you're <laughs> in the shower are the best times to be creative, um, unless you have another suggestion. But those two really stand out for me. I think most of the world's most successful music was done probably in either of those states. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I've, I've, um, have made some incredible music in the shower. <laughs> uh, your voice just echoes perfectly. Best shower I've ever had was magic mushrooms. Best oh, shower yeah. of my two, life. Two, two in one. Whoa. Well, yeah, everything's so overly simulated, you know, mm. when you're on a hallucinogen. Um, wow. You know, you with magic mushrooms, you know, you just, you're so happy. You, you get in the shower and, you know, the water hits you and you're just like, oh my God, it's just like water ecstasy. <laughs> it's, it's a weird feeling. I'm telling you, best shower I ever had. And then I went and got some Panda Express, got some orange chicken. I was so happy. <laughs> Shit. I'm going to have to try that out. Yeah, man. Got to try it. Um, but I don't think our topic is hashtag shower thoughts today. What was our topic? What a shame. This was good. Uh, our topic. <laughs> well, we did we did have a few on the plate and we decided we were going to go down the road of kind of talking about something a little less, um, I suppose, something a little bit light, more lighthearted and, and less and, deep. Yeah, less deep, more pop culture. So um, we've we've stuck with uh, Hollywood, an actor in Hollywood that I've been watching his films or movies, as you say, uh, Mm -hmm. the last two days. Um, Leonardo DiCaprio, I suppose there's a lot of things we can talk about in his Mm -hmm. life and where he's come from and where he is now and the work that he's done. 
And, um, you're right. Cause when you talked, when you said to me, we should do, we should do an episode on him. I was like, eh. and then when I looked into it, I was like, Oh shit, he's actually done a shitload of stuff, not even in Hollywood, but also outside as well, like humanitarian stuff as yeah. well. So there's a bunch of things that we can touch on. Yeah. He's, he's had an interesting life thus far. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, uh, brushed up on some movies. Um, he's, he's been lead role in a few movies that are, um, you know, my all time favorites, one of them being inception. Mm. Um, he's also had an interesting like backstory growing up. Um, some of it, I know I also watched a documentary or two to kind of like, um, juggle my mind a little bit, but you know, he grew up with, um, immigrant parents, mm. a mother from, uh, from Seiko, Germany and a father yeah. from Italy. Mm-hmm. So, and his name is Leonardo Wilhelm DiCaprio, isn't it? Yeah, actually, there was a story they were talking about, and they were saying that, you know, when Leo was um, a baby, um, he was still you know, in his mom's stomach in pregnancy. Um, they were looking at Leonardo da Vinci's artwork. Yeah. And they, um, when they were looking at the artwork, she like felt a kick or whatever. And she <laughs> felt like it was like, some, something weird about it and decided to name him Leo after Leonardo da Vinci. Um, mm-hmm. it's kind of a cool little fact. Um, no, he was, uh, he's had an interesting childhood. He grew up very, very talented in terms of acting. Mm. Um, definitely had the spirit to do it. Was in a yeah. bunch of commercials like Matchbox and shit like it's that. Actually, his, brother the, his brother was the one who landed the first commercial. I don't even know what his brother's doing. Stepbrother, stepbrother, I think. Right, right, and uh, and that's what got him interested. But like, if you get paid fifty thousand dollars when you're a kid mm-hmm. for a commercial, which is like less than what a minute. I mean, yeah, that's a lot of money and that would get anyone $50,000 to a kid's a lot of money. I remember the first time I made my first hundred dollars. Yeah. It's a lot. I, I could, you know how many bags of Skittles I could buy for a hundred dollars. <laughs> I was so happy. I was like, I'm rich. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's then it was when I got old, I realized a hundred bucks just is not enough anymore. <laughs> not really. And the stimulus check ain't enough either. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I didn't have to slide that one in there. I saw a meme earlier, and let's get back to this in a second, but I saw mm-hmm. not a meme. It wasn't a meme. It was someone who actually recorded a video. She got in her car. She got her money out. I guess the whole $1,200, she was fanning it, like kind of, mm-hmm. you know, um, just showing off. And then someone snatched it through the window, and she was like, oh, my God. I don't know if it was real or not, but if it was, that is – it's her fault for not having the window – Karma's a bitch, man. Karma is a bitch. <laughs> you know, if you get that much money through stimulus, you know, you probably shouldn't be waving it around or yeah, you probably holding it out. It's trying times. You know, I would have put that in my I back like pocket. I did video. Uh, physically liked it. So there you go. But um, yeah, so so $100 is a lot. I remember when I made my first 100 or whatever on online or in my mm-hmm. own endeavors outside of working for someone else. And that was really nice. And it, it has that impact on you. And I think $50,000, I would have never, ever imagined, you know, what it would be like to, to earn a $50,000 check for my first piece of work, especially as a, as a kid. Yeah. So that must have changed him completely. And, you know, when you, it's for, right. So 
So a lot of the world records in, let's say, the Olympics have been beaten, not because people were getting better and better and better, but because people had somehow given themselves permission. Uh, I, I remember reading that in the German Olympics, someone uh, beat the world record for like the 400 meters, I think it was, or the 1500 meters yeah. anyway. Shortly after that, because it, it had taken so long to beat the previous record, like we're talking decades or something. Don't quote yeah. me on this, but I know there's a story like this. Um, and in the next 12 months, like three or four people beat that person's record. So it was like, it was almost like saying, if we don't think something's possible, we won't even try. But once we know it's possible, then all of a sudden things change. And I think that that might have been what made him so at least set the 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 foundations for him being so confident and so sure of himself because that's one of his defining traits. Yeah, I, I think part of it is you know there was a money was a motivational factor for him, but he was also mm -hmm. incredibly talented. And, you know, yeah. it's just, I think it's also a mental thing. You know, once you kind of like buy into something completely and it's like your end goal, that's what you want to do in life. You know, that's what you want. That's what you believe in. That's who you are. Um, you know, I, th amazing things happen, crazy things happen, whether it's in his life or in sports, like the example you're giving. Um, there's so many examples of that in sports, you know, where people, their mindset shifts and they're able to accomplish some astounding things right constantly over and over again it's so much more mental than it is physical um and you know like these athletes he's talented in what he does but you know it's his passion for it and his perfectionism and what he he does and how he you know creates these characters and how he um does research and prepares for these characters like any good actor or actress should do that's what's made him so successful since a very since he was very very young you know, yeah. and then growing up, having that maturity, hanging around with adults most of the time, being dedicated to his work as a little kid, mm. being that young. I mean, that really helped him, um, you know, evolve his career as he got older. Yeah. You know, and then he was able to land very complex roles um, in, in many different areas, uh, portraying, um, you know, kids with disabilities, portraying. Um, oh, heroin movie. addicts. That was uh, a really nice movie. I, that's the first time I've seen it because I, I said like I, I researched a little bit and I watched some previous mm -hmm. some movies of his, and that was the first one I watched and I haven't seen it before. So I thought I'll start here, which is also because it's probably the first big movie he ever did, and mm -hmm. it was great. It was really great, and he's amazing in that. But moreover, it just. It, it, it's like, it's not even, he's not even the main actor. The main actor is Johnny Depp, right? Uh, yeah. But, but it's like, it's like the whole story is so well rounded out because of the way that they're, the, the characters are built and, um, and somehow revolves around him. Uh, and he is, I think he was nominated though for that as a kid. Yeah. Let's have a look. I mean, he didn't win. It took him a long time to win an Oscar, which was a really weird thing for, yeah, he got best supporting actor nomination for it at the Academy Awards, but he should have gotten that like, cause damn, that was an yeah. amazing performance. Like really, he would have thought that he really was disabled just by watching that movie and not knowing. Oh, I know. Yeah. I mean, when you watch any of his roles, you really buy into the character. Like he's really good at that. You, 
there's so many movies that have been big hits and where he's performed brilliantly and he hasn't won. Um, you know, it took him such a long time to win. It's almost astounding. It's like, you got to wonder what the fuck's wrong with Hollywood sometimes. It's like they should give out at least more than one of these awards. Mm. Um, you know, you get so many good movies that come out in one year. It's like, and you have to pick. I'm not sure like, either why they won't give him one because it's not like people don't know he's an amazing actor and he keeps pumping out all this stuff. Uh, so I don't know either, but no, it doesn't look like he's won one. So yeah, but he should be getting an Oscar every two or three years. I mean, with the kind of movie <laughs> yeah. Movie, to be honest, I mean, I, I think we I should mean, we should be able to agree that the Oscars isn't exactly the most uh, how would you say the best benchmark for fair. talent. <laughs> um, but it it's is not much. Of it must be nice to recognize, though, you know, for for them at least. And I know a lot of people when they go to go to receive their awards, they really do genuinely look like they heart they have a heartfelt um, gratitude for it because they've been looking at it on, on a pedestal for their whole life. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't know if he's like that, but if he is like that, I hope he wins it. If he's not like that, then all the power to him. Who cares? Uh, he's I still going like to be one of the really- highest paid actors in Hollywood anyway. <laughs> I feel like the Oscars, you know, and the Emmys and the Grammys and stuff, I feel like some of it sometimes is like almost bought off in a weird oh, way. Yeah, they like, complain. Like, I watch one. it some years and I'm like, um, there was one year I was just like, I was furious. I had no idea why I was furious because it doesn't really apply to me. <laughs> I was watching it on TV and I was like, the, the Golden Compass is the stupidest movie I ever saw. I mean, won yeah. Best Picture over uh, Transformers, Harry Potter, uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, and a couple other movies. I'm just like, what? Best, best Action Picture or something? Best, best Best uh, best picture, best motion picture, or something Get like that. Get the hell out of here! What? Yeah, it was it was ridiculous, and I was like, "Well, I mean, Harry Potter was awesome in the the movie that came out at the time, and then they had like the third, like Pirates of the Caribbean that came out. It was fucking dope. Um, they had Transformers that just came out, and that was incredible. I was like, one of those is gonna win. Fucking Golden Compass won. I'm like, this shit's rigged. Something's wrong with this. The Golden Compass. Is. Who watches the Golden Compass anymore? No one watches the Golden Compass. No one fucking cares about that shit. <laughs> okay, now I, now I know what this is, but I haven't seen it. But at least it's got Daniel Craig, in it, so you know. Um, okay, interesting, interesting stuff. But yeah, he hasn't won one. But I don't think he minds so much. I think he's interested in other stuff. Like, uh, but let's take a look at what he's done anyway, because I, I I guess he's done a ton. No, it's amazing he didn't get one for Titanic. Yeah. Although Titanic, you know, when, it's, when it grosses like two billion dollars, you know, and it's like the biggest movie of all time. I think if he was going to win an Oscar for Titanic, he probably should have won it for being a heartthrob for teenage women everywhere. Because well, he should. If that was the case, he should have won it for Romeo and Juliet because that's what made him an international superstar. Actually, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe that was. It was a really controversial. Movie. It was a really controversial, controversial, controversial idea. <laughs> um, if I remember it correctly, because we used to watch it all the time in high school too. Like they made us watch it. Like that's how popular it was. They wanted us to learn about Shakespeare and Romeo and Juliet. So the best way they do that is, you know, give us the the Leo version of it, the modern version of um, Romeo totally, and Juliet. Totally, that's how popular idea. it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, but. That movie, I think, was the first time he got to play like a lead role 
in, um, in like a love story almost. And that made him internationally famous with, you know, everyone, media, women, stuff like that. And then when he, when he landed Titanic, that just took him to superstardom at a very young age. I think it was like 25 or something. Right, right. 24, no, he was younger than that for sure. By the time Titanic was done, I think he was like 24. Could be wrong. Pretty Leonardo sure. DiCaprio in Ask Siri. Romeo and Juliet. I'll ask the next best thing or the first best thing, Google. Uh, 21 years old in Romeo and Juliet. That's very, very young. How, to be. how, Siri, how old was Leonardo DiCaprio in Titanic? Leonardo DiCaprio was 23 years old on the 19th of December, 1997, when Titanic was first released. 23. Oh, that was when it was released. He was 22 when it was filmed. Well, I still, who's <laughs> close I enough? Like I like 23 because I Google. <laughs> okay. Well, fuck you. Whatever works. Um, He's 30 minutes in. I'm going to take a shot. 30 minutes in. We're 30 minutes in already? Jesus, we haven't even spoken about anything yet. Well, we're about to, Clement. We haven't had a second shot yet. We haven't even gotten to the good stuff yet, folks. <laughs> no, it's going to get better. <laughs> It's going to get better after this shot, I'm pretty sure. God damn it. Just when you think like you're getting a drink, which is going to be easier than the last one, (laughs) it's not. (laughs) All right, Clement, quit bitching. Tink, three, two, one. Mm. You know, I give myself a week to recover from this episode. And my body feels like a virgin again when it comes to alcohol. So, uh-huh. so when I do the shots today, like for example, my throat's really feeling it. <clears throat> it's all good though. Woo. Yeah. I've been laying off the alcohol so I could save it for when we record. Um, and that's uh, been a bad decision <laughs> because now my liver's taking, cause you have to. liver's taking a break. <laughs> yeah. Liver's taking a break and not handling it well. <laughs> it's it's funny. One of my experiences with alcohol is that if it, your your liver gets used to it almost, right, and mm-hmm. you know starts to metabolize it a lot better. And the, the the strange thing is, like you you can I don't know. Let, let me let me see. So if I if I drink. And then I, if I drink a, a moderate amount of alcohol and then the next morning I wake up and I look at myself in the mirror, it's, it's like my, my, my face has like a kind of like a glow to it. And that sounds funny, right? Because you'd be thinking, well, you, you must look worse. And yeah, maybe I have more puffy eyes, but like there's something about it. And I read into it. Apparently it's because your liver excretes these enzymes and mm-hmm. to break down the alcohol, but they're also very beneficial for your body too. And, um, and that might be one of the reasons why it might not be, it might not be. Yeah. Your liver, your liver, um, you know, produces like a phosphor, phosphorescent chemical that makes uh, Clement, uh, glow in the dark <laughs> when he drinks <laughs> glow in the dark. So yeah. Clement, 
I'll be if Clement, I'll ask him if he's like drinking. I'm like, no, I'm not drinking. And I'm like, all right. And I turn off the lights and he's glowing and he's like, shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's just say God. if I if I stop drinking once we're done with the episode, I'm good. Like it's actually probably not bad at all. But if I carry on, then yeah, it's not good at all. <laughs> this is not it's not sustainable. So we're I'm, we're having to be disciplined now for sure. Yeah. That's well, half the joy of this show though. Half the joy is the discipline that comes with it. <laughs> and I'm yeah, be disciplined. I'm not we're not encouraging anyone to binge drink, but I will say this. If you do drink like to drink, you might as well steadily drink than, you know, <laughs> not drink at all and then pound something. This is really good. Uh, like some shallow water, deep waters here, right? We're getting into some shallow water here, um, but I'm just going to be honest from my own personal experience. This is not drinking advice. <laughs> it's not in <laughs> any way. <laughs> I'm not a certified drinking professional. <laughs> do not do not use this for Born your own engine. Trump. I am not a doctor. <laughs> I'm not <laughs> a doctor. <laughs> Duh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a funny man <laughs> yeah well we are but, and uh and so anyone watching this is basically advised to drink in moderation and especially once we get sponsorship <laughs> yeah i mean that's why the bottle says drink in moderation not stop fucking drinking you idiot in like if you drink in moderate i mean if you drink a, something on on ice you have a glass of something you know, every single night, like one glass, you're not going to kill yourself. It's not going to hurt your body, but your liver is going to be more used to it. You know, if you have a little alcohol in your system, whether it's wine or um, a hard liquor or, you know, a beer or two, you know, your body's used to having alcohol in yeah. your system. You're going to process it a lot better. So, I mean, yeah. it's better than just saying, I'm going to be sober for six days and then go hard on, yeah, no, on I think one you, day. Yeah, I think you, there's some truth to that. And that's what my experience has been as well. Um and studies have shown, at least when it comes to, uh, well, let's just keep it to males. So studies have shown that if you get a couple of beers down you, uh, your testosterone levels actually increase. Um, but if you drink more than that, they can be they can go right down to the, the floor. So mm-hmm. there are benefits of having a bit of alcohol, I believe. There's a lot of contradictory studies. But especially with when it comes to red wine, I think a glass of red wine a day, it it, it in my opinion, based on the things that I've read, is actually going to be good for you. Yeah, there's, there's studies on a lot of different alcohols, like red wine. There's a lot of studies showing that if you have a glass a night, it's good for your heart long term, for your cardiovascular health, yeah, um, and for your mind too. Yeah, and then if you like, if you have a cold, mm. like an old cure for the cold used to be to have a shot of tequila with lime. <laughs> Um, I know it sounds weird, but there are properties in, I forgot what they're called, but there are properties in tequila that, um, you know, are antioxidant based because of the blue agave mm-hmm. and they will actually, you know, help, you know, one, relax your body and your throat, but will at the same time, you know, aid in your immune system. And I'm not saying that you should pound tequila, but you know, maybe give it a shot, have a shot of tequila with some lime. <laughs> what a pun. When you have a cold See what happens. Uh, it used to be an old trick. Uh, it's like, it's no different than saying chicken noodle soup it will cure the cold. Yeah. Um, you know, it doesn't cure the cold, but you know, you do miraculously get, get better if you eat something like that. Cause you know, there's properties to it that are good for you. The protein, the broth is in chicken broth is fucking incredible. 
probably one of the most underrated things you can do for your body, your immune system. Mm. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Full of, full of nutrients in that. Yeah. Certain minerals and whatnot. Um, so we should do yeah, a, whole a lot episode of, on that on, on a whole episode on chicken broth. <laughs> <laughs> could do a whole episode on chicken broth. We could, we could do a health episode. You know, yeah. we did a poll and there was a lot of people that were interested in that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people that were interested in fitness. Yeah. I'm sure they'd be do a fitness health one. I mean, actually we could do a fitness one doing fitness health. if you want. Health I mean, and fitness. Health and fitness. Yeah. Like I think that'd be actually good doing combo. some kind of workout for people watching because we're both we've we've both been incredibly active you know and we could probably share a ton of tips and even like a little workout for home for here in the corona period of of tips you know one of the other polls that did really well was college survival tips yeah yeah (laughs) we both Um, ran those polls didn't we and and on mine it all did well yeah College yeah, so tips. I'm not sure how much you want to talk about college, but I guess that's an episode I might have to carry on because, you know, it'd be fun. I got so many stories. I could but, talk about yeah. that. I could talk about uni university tips, but mm-hmm. they're both yeah. pretty much exactly the same. You um, could talk about scholastic tips. I could talk about surviving the um, scholastic the social norms. <laughs> I, my university life was pretty much spent outside of the university, <laughs> um, which was fun. Mine was highly integrated with the university. Yeah, I think there's different ways of playing the game, but essentially mm-hmm. everything turned out okay. So you could listen to my yeah. advice if you want. <laughs> yeah, that'd be, that'd be fun. We could talk about all kinds of things. Talk, talk about the educational system, talk about Greek life, talk about, you know, inside versus outside the educational system, how that's evolving. Mm. Um, that'd be fun. I have a lot of opinions on that. Okay. Yeah. But, okay. Let's do that then. We'll, 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 sl- we'll slot that into the queue. Um, but, but yeah, like um, that's the cool thing about this, this particular podcast is it's like a, an anthology where you can mm-hmm. do a different one every episode. So it keeps things fresh. And I think that's what people. Yeah. I mean, sometimes it's an off topic anthology too. Like we don't even talk about the main subject. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we're we just, talking about we just we're drink and we ramble right on. About, we're just <laughs> drinking and rambling on about bullshit. I feel so bad for Leo. <laughs> you, yeah. But Leo, Leo, like you're sitting right so here, just giving me this dirty look like right now, like this was supposed to be about me guys. Like what are you doing? <laughs> So, yeah. So back to Leonardo anyway. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, he, he took off really quickly. Right. So basically mm-hmm. once, um, once, um, Romeo and Juliet was done, that was it. Everything changed. He was just constantly being asked to do blockbuster movies. You know, I, I also mm-hmm. looked into how, you know, how he managed to get those roles and he used to, audition just like a bunch of other um kids his age at the time and one of them was toby mcguire uh and mm-hmm. he met toby in the auditions apparently and so they and so they made friends and interesting uh, after that like you know 30 years later they're doing the great gatsby together and they're really close No, that's kind of cool right it is really cool it is to be able they to- had a really good dynamic in that movie too like that's you know, I don't like all the dumb books they make us read in school, but I really like The Great Gatsby. Mm-hmm. It was a great book. Right. Really good book. And the movie was really on point. It was so good. Like, 
Leo did an amazing job portraying Gatsby and like who he was and like everything we learned. Like it felt like everything I learned in school was literally in a movie. Like he portrayed it perfectly. And then Toby Maguire and his quirkiness and everything, <laughs> he, he did a great job playing, um, uh, Nick or whatever the guy's name is in the film, um, you know, complimenting him as like a co-star. Mm. Um, so it turned out really good. I love that movie. It's fantastic. I, I thought it was, I don't think it's necessarily Leo's best performance ever in terms of acting, but I think in terms of how he brought out a character, I think it was probably one of the best characters he ever brought out because mm. he took a character in a book and brought it to real life. Right. And I really bought it to it too. It was really good. I'm just trying to think if he's done anything else that was based on a novel, uh, apart from obviously Romeo and Juliet, which was a work of Shakespeare. But well, he's he's done stuff based on some books and plays and things like that in the past. I, I can't remember all of them, hmm. um, but I know he has. Right, and he's pretty good at bringing out the character, like Romeo and Juliet. He was bringing out the character, but they were trying to take like a modern approach to it. Yeah, yeah. So. Um, that was the cool thing about that movie is that because yeah. I studied it in the Shakespeare Theatre Company when I was younger mm -hmm. and I studied Romeo and Juliet like as one of the things that we were doing in the plays and it's very difficult like oh god anyone who's listening to this who knows what like you do but people mm -hmm. that are listening I could probably hear a collective sigh because it's true it's very difficult to understand that old English these days and mm -hmm. you need someone to help you decipher it. But I love mm -hmm. the, the, I love the idea of, because there's some of the best stories and there's some of the, the stories that get copied over and over the Shakespeare's uh, work. Yeah. Well, it's so thick and hard to get through. Like I remember, cause I took a bunch of poetry classes in, in high school and college. So don't judge me, but I found it very fascinating because I always liked writing. Right. Um, I was just like, why are these people so dumb? Like just <laughs> write the, you don't need to write that. Or, <laughs> it's also stupid and so nightly, but, and there, there was this art to it. It was really weird. Yeah. And plays and poetry. And we put all that together. And I remember, um, I was watching a film on Hamlet and, um, I was kind of in my mind comparing that to the Romeo and Juliet they did with Leo. And I was like, it's so difficult even to watch this film on mm. Hamlet. Was that like, the one with, I, um, was that the, the, the most recent one? I don't know. It was, it, it was an older one, but I remember oh, watching okay, it okay, in fair school. Enough. Fair enough. But, you know, like I could barely understand the plays because you really had to get into it to understand it. Yeah. And then, you know, the movie, like, okay, I could visualize it now, but understanding what they're trying to get across their points and everything. It was so difficult. Like it just, it wasn't that great of a movie to me. Yeah. And the fact and then, that it managed to last this long mm -hmm. in curriculums is fascinating because I'm pretty sure everyone feels the same way as you, <laughs> yeah. you know? Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're trying to learn what someone's saying in, in a, a dead language, do you learn the dead language or do you learn how to translate it into your language? Exactly. And so here's so, the thing. We're learning about history in history, but we learn about history through our lens of language. So I feel like it's an important thing to 
retain mm-hmm. the old language of the the original works, but just you know modernize it so people can understand what they're trying to learn. You know what I'm saying? Exactly. And you know that's something I think they don't do enough in educational systems too. Yeah. Um, like you know, Shakespeare's incredibly important. You know, he's done so much work that's, you know, defined different areas in history. And, you know, when you look at that stuff, you know, they, they tell stories not only of the imagination, but also of like things that actually happened back then. It's important to understand it. And I understand the value in that. But if you don't take it and find a way to modernize it yeah, so that it's understandable for our generation yeah. hundreds of years later, you just waste um, you know, then yeah. And it's, it's work that's going to be lost. You want it to be timeless, right? Then it needs to be understandable. Mm. So you know, that's the thing I like so much about the Romeo and Juliet movie. Yeah. It was very modernized and it was a little silly, but it was big and it was successful because it took an old concept and made it very understandable and relatable yeah. for modern, modern people. And that's important. And I think that's something that we need to see more of honestly in Hollywood too. Like I don't mind the big crazy blockbuster movies that come out, but you know, history has all the stories you ever need. If you could just take that and modernize it. Yeah, so true. So you know, true. There's We're a actually lot of watching the same stories over and over again, just with a different flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, you just reminded me there are now services, books, people that do this for a living and they take like, for example, the works of Seneca or, you know, Marcus Aurelius and any of the mm-hmm. really old books, the philosoph- philosophical books, um, the Tao Te Ching, and, you know, they'll translate it and they'll, tr- they'll, they'll, they'll give you the meaning in your own language. And it's actually beneficial because otherwise right. you might pick that book up and you might never really get it. So, um, so, so there is a need, there is a demand for it. Um, it's just a shame, like we said, that it's not really being done by the school. Yeah. System. I'm, I'm kind of tired of the typical tropes, you know, in these stories, mm. you know, poor guy struggles, yeah. finds woman, yeah. strives for woman, fights back, becomes yeah. hero, slays dragon. Like I'm, I'm tired of all the like typical stuff you see in every single movie. Yeah. Like why is it so we difficult? stated on that, didn't we? The good and the bad, like the hero. And yeah. But I mean, I don't know how much you studied history, but I mean, if you look at history, you know, there's so many amazing stories, you know, some of the best movies have been based on history too. Mm. Like why can't we have a movie about Alexander the great? Why can't we have a movie about, um, uh, Attila the Hun or Mm. the Eastern Roman empire, you know, or the different dynasties in China. Like there's some incredible stories and things that have happened in history that are better than the stupid, you know, tropes that we go through constantly in these blockbuster movies that everyone well, pays for. I think you just spelled it out. Like a blockbuster is a uh, algorithmic formula that Hollywood has stuck to when it well, to make they're giving people money. what they want to see, mm. unfortunately. Yeah, and, and they're giving them what, what stimulates them the most. And that's why Marvel movies are all the same, essentially. There's a hero yeah. and a villain, and then they fucking go through some challenges, and then they beat the villain, and that's it. Boom. Um, yeah. But, you know, uh, going back to history again, um, yeah, th- this is a very Western story kind of um, character like that we, that we that you see with all these movies it's it's a it's a trait of western storytelling and um for example back in uh you know the 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 old european continent 
um, where, you know, you've got the Vikings and they used to, their stories used to be not about beating evil and destroying it, but more about kind of overcoming challenges together and becoming friends at the end. And you could never imagine seeing a Marvel movie where, like Thanos becomes Thor's best friend. I mean, it would, well, I have a hard, I have a hard time seeing a group of Vikings sitting down after they slaughtered a village and stole a woman, <laughs> and being like, "We are going Vikings, to be the best friends uh, ever." But yeah, <laughs> let's head to the north. <laughs> His seven takes head. the women and head to the north. <laughs> His seven head is my best friend. I don't know why I'm speaking with a German accent, but I'm, I'm sitting sure down with a low spread in his left hand and axe in his right hand. We're going to be great friends. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see that, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's another episode right there, man. We should do an episode on, on history. Uh, that would be, be good. Yeah. Civilizations. Well, you pick a point in history because it could get. Yeah, the uh, whole of history. Let's do let's do the thirteen point nine billion years of history. (laughs) Yeah, the history of Earth with Zemp and Clement. (laughs) (laughs) How long do you have? That's the tagline. Um, You know, there's a YouTube video that's really funny that has like uh, history of Earth, um, and it blows through like the entire history of Earth in like fifteen minutes or something. Oh, I think I know what you're talking about. Yeah, I love super fucking funny. Yeah, these people kill these people. These people kill those people. <laughs> yeah. It was over. They became friends and they killed each other. <laughs> What's also fascinating yeah. is the, um, those, ch- the, the kind of the charts that show the race between, um, whatever the, whatever the, 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 the Y axis is. It's like, it could mm-hmm. be the countries in terms of their economic growth. And there's like a race over time and you can see the time expanding on the X axis. And uh, mm-hmm. I love those kinds of videos. Uh, there was one from co- for COVID nineteen recently. <laughs> yeah, and it was pretty. Really yeah, yeah, there was one where like the U.S. just magically shot to number one. I'm like, why do we have to be number one at everything? Yeah, like this is the case where we don't need to be number one. That's we could have just given it to Italy. Like exactly. I don't get it. <laughs> that's exactly the one I'm referring to. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are there's some really good ways of visualizing these things. Like, but like anyway, back, back to. <laughs> Back to Leonardo, Leonardo. You, Back to Leo. You said that, um, yeah, he used to hang around when he was on set and everything, kind of being being a young child actor, but taking it seriously. Do you think? Mm-hmm. Do you think a lot of that was because of the fact that he was mixing with very successful actors that are obviously a lot older than him? Like I remember mm-hmm. when he did, what was it, The Man in the Iron Mask, and he had Jeremy Irons mm-hmm. and yeah. Well, Gerard from what I've you, heard. At least what I've heard and what I've learned, um, you know, a lot of these actors, especially ones that were older than him, like completely adored him too, and were um, loved him as an actor because he was so bought into his role and he was so passionate about it. Um, he was also, in some ways, kind of a kind of an introvert, kind of a loner. Like he didn't want to hang out with other people other than like the adults he was hanging out with. He was always hanging out with people older than him, mm-hmm. so he was always learning things and he was very wise and mature for his age. You know, and then when he got older, I mean, that stuff just, you know, evolved and carried over. So, I, you know, it's he's almost like a different person, too. Like when he was a, a childhood actor, teenage actor, early 20s, um, he had completely different personality to him almost. Like he's the same guy and he's does some crazy roles still, but 
Um, he's not as crazy with his roles as he was back then. He's more like deeper with his roles, if that makes sense. You mean like some of the movies, four, four movies, four or five movies? Yeah, I mean, well, he does some roles that are like really, really deep. Yeah, I mean, maybe with the exception of like Wolf of Wall Street. <laughs> yeah, um, and I don't know, maybe The Revenant. That was an interesting movie. It was good though. No, no, um, Revenant. That was. I like how they. That was definitely. They played on on the like the frontier um, aspect of history. They had Tom Hardy in it. I thought that was a good combo. Yeah, um, they're they're really good friends apparently now. I mean, he, this is the thing. When I saw a documentary about him yesterday, basically the recurring theme was he just likes to make people his friend, and so mm. he does. He, he, I think he's quoted as saying. If he wants, if I want someone to be my friend, I make them my friend. And that's really interesting because. Well, isn't that something like any good actor or actress could do? Pretend to be someone's <laughs> best friend. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally, totally. But he's it, playing all of them. He's, he's tricking them all. It's part of his scheme. <laughs> but it does speak though to like maybe what his underlying psychology is because um, I think growing up, as popular as he was, and I'm starting to become like, I'm starting to sound like a pundit now, which is not anything I'd ever want to be associated with. But <clears throat> I would imagine it'd be very difficult to navigate that kind of world, uh, especially with all the predators in Hollywood. And I've heard many very disgusting and awful stories about child molestation and things. So I'm sure that he was yeah. an exception to that. And he did have a group of guys that he... Um, he got together uh, as his like, you know, kind of comfort zone and they would always hang out together and he didn't want to hang out with, you know, what he would call the badasses of Hollywood, which would be probably the, the up and coming or the, the, ex the established yeah. stars rather. So he had this group of just low key people, like for example, Tobey Maguire and mm -hmm. yeah, they got into a bit of trouble because guys in, in, in gangs usually get into trouble. That's just one of the mm. side effects of having a male dominated group. But, um, but overall, I think it was just to, to be able to deal with the pressure of being so popular at such a young age. Yeah. I uh, got a yawn. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to make you yawn and everything, but there's a tree shot yawn. I don't know what happened there. <laughs> um, I mean, when you're on set, like you're making a movie or you're filming for a TV show, but you're doing it for like long periods of time, you know, you're surrounded by certain people mm. constantly in company with them for long periods of time. Like take Titanic, for example. Um, what, what's her name? Uh, the co-star with him. Kate Winslet. Kate Winslet. Yeah. Um, spent a lot of time with her. I heard they're incredible friends. Um, obviously, James Cameron was directing and James Cameron and him were very close. Oh, so she probably learned tremendously from James Cameron. Yeah. Um, Can you imagine? You know, imagine all the other movies too, where he's been around incredible actors yeah. and actresses, directors, um, you know, su supporting cast members and whatnot that, you know, are good company to be with. You know, mm -hmm. I think he, he's probably learned a lot from that. That's, you know, who he spent a lot of his time with. I mean, That's you're in Hollywood. Right. What else are you doing? Yeah. You at in and out Burger or are you, you know, on set? You're most likely on set. So you're not probably hanging out with the wrong crowd all that much. Well, he was either drunk in a club or in a hotel <laughs> or on set. 
So, you know, he had the best of both yeah. worlds. Um, but, you know, they say, like I said, I think in another episode we had, you're the, you're the, the product of the five people you spend the most time with. So imagine being able to spend Absolutely. most of your time with just very talented, seasoned professionals in your industry. I mean, wow. Wow. Who gets to do that? He, I think he likes to be that person too. Cause I've heard all kinds of stories with younger actors and how he's, uh, given them a lot of advice or taking them in to give them advice. Oh, I um, see. So like, now he's doing like, um, paint it forward. Like Zac Efron, for example, like Zac Efron, when he was, you know, getting super famous from some of his movies, like 17 again. And, um, you know, even before like, um, Baywatch and whatnot. Um, you know, he was getting the same attention from women and paparazzi, just insane amount that Leo got when he was younger. Mm. Um, and Zach Efron was telling stories about how Leo would, you know, take him to his house, make him breakfast, talk to him about the paparazzi, <laughs> how to handle things and whatnot, burn pancakes, say, fuck it, make waffles. <laughs> um, and it's, it's interesting. I, I feel like with a lot of, um, younger stars these days are just as popular as I guess he was back then. Um, I don't know if it's comparable or not, but he seems to like being one of those people that gives younger people advice too. I, I think he likes passing things down. He seems like a genuinely like really good guy. Like I really yeah. haven't seen him, yeah. you know, in a bad situation. He seems to like be pretty straight edge in some ways. Yeah. And think about the temptation to go the other way in his situation. I mean, growing up through that, I mean, if you're not if you're not very vigilant about your choices, your career could be over with within a yeah. fraction of a second. <clears throat> so and very easily could have gone the Justin Bieber route. <laughs> you think Justin Bieber took a dive off a hill? I, off a cliff? I don't think he took a dive off a hill, but you know, he did a lot of dumb shit for sure. You know, mm-hmm. he did. I mean, he was a good, good kid and everything, you know, didn't come from much, worked his ass off. His, uh, his mom put him in amazing positions, uh, you know, to give him opportunities. And, and he excelled when he was given those opportunities and he did really well for a long time. And as he got older, you know, I mean, what, what guy wouldn't be happy to have women clawing at him all the time? Mm. Um, I think he's you know, okay then, though, given everything in. He's come out okay. He's come out a lot better. But he definitely, for a period of time, a few years, um, somewhere in there, he was in a very questionable area where he was getting himself in trouble, doing some illegal things. Mm. Um, mm. You know, you know, could have very easily gone downhill. You know, um, I'm going to say something. Here. I feel like it really, it could be the determining factor of whether or not you can handle that kind of success. Um, Mm-hmm. If your upbringing is either good or bad, and if your relationship with your family, specifically your parents or your parent, is good or bad, because I, I think the statistics basically say it all. And uh, it's shown that if there's an absentee parent or if there's not a great kind of upbringing, like a good set structure, um, you know, uh, in terms of how they how you've been parented, how you've been taught, that you're mm-hmm. much more likely to fail, quote unquote, fail in life than if you've been given enough support and t- taught properly. And not just in terms of skills or knowledge, but in terms of a moral framework as well, which is probably the most important part. Um, but something tells me he has great parents and 
you know, you told you told us earlier that he, he grew up with with immigrant parents. I'm sure that played a big part mm-hmm. because they're probably very hardworking and very um, careful and vigilant. yeah. But they didn't do very well. You know, they they lived on um, um, not Skid Row, but um, was, uh, <laughs> I hope they didn't live. It like was Skid like Skid Row. I forgot what it's called, but it's a bad part of L.A. Like he had a very um, similar upbringing to, to Bieber. Like they both didn't have like the best circumstances mm-hmm. necessarily growing up, but you know, they were, they created their opportunities and took advantage of them. Mm. I think the only difference is his was in film and Bieber's was in music. Um, you know, I'm, those are two completely different things, but I don't in terms of entertainment, but I know that, I know that he, he had his dad, was invested in him enough to kind of produce some. Yeah. They didn't have, they didn't have a lot of money though. They didn't have means mm. like they, you know, they were struggling quite a bit too. But like, do you, but do you think, do you, do you think that makes a substantial difference in terms of the, the person that you become? Like if, cause I don't, I but. think it's who you hang out with, honestly, like Leo was hanging out with, you know, a lot of people that were older and more mature than him. And he was very focused. Um, you know, Bieber was a international superstar at a very young age, but I don't think he surrounded himself with the right people. Mm. You know, and I think that set him back a little bit. Um, but I mean, he seems to be good now. He seems to be, you know, creating music on track, a little bit more mellow, a little more balanced out. Um, yeah. But, you know, there's a period of time where he was kind of just going wild with it, being young and enjoying having women claw at him and um, having crazy friends and whatnot, mm-hmm. which I, I can understand. None of that's easy. But I mean, the difference, I think the people you hang out with, like <clears throat> Leo hang out with a completely different crowd. It's possible. I think it makes a big difference. Yeah. I think it makes a big difference. Um, yeah. Who's influencing every single day? Who's telling you what you should or shouldn't do or encouraging you or not encouraging you to do something mm. that has a huge influence on you, especially when you're young. Like yeah. if your friends are begging you to come out and go hang with them, there's a lot of pressure to do that. Are, are they asking you to come, you know, start a business with them? Or are they asking you to come you know, go fucking egg the neighbor's house. Like <laughs> uh, it all kind of depends on your friend group, but you know, that social pressure is there. Mm. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how famous. It's just like, if you value someone and they're asking you to go do something with them, you know, you're like, you're likely to go buy that monkey <laughs> or yeah. piss in a bucket or egg that house. Um, so do you dumb know, shit happens when, around people. Joaquin Phoenix is another child star. Um, his brother was a child star too, River Phoenix. I don't know if you're familiar with River, but he, he died from a, I think it was a, was it heroin overdose? <clears throat> he died from a drug Probably. overdose. Um, and, uh, I think that's an example of when perhaps, you know, you, like you said, things don't, don't go the way they could have gone because you made some decisions um, another child star. I don't know why I know so much about this, but another child <laughs> star is uh, Drew Barrymore, and she went yeah. through a phase like that. But she was lucky to pull it back just in time, and now she's doing fine, I think. But um, yeah, but yeah, she went through a, a phase where people were like, mm, "Is she gonna, you know, turn out like mm-hmm. Amy Winehouse, or is she gonna, 
is she going to be okay? And she turned out to be okay. So uh, it's a really tricky thing. Yeah. I think you need to be around the right people, including family members, because I don't think friends are enough, but, but yeah, but I'm not lucky enough to know how that would have ended up for me. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know if I'd want to find out fame sounds like a very terrifying thing. Yeah, it does. It does. Uh, On one side it does. And on the other side, it kind of sounds like if you, if you're able to manage it properly, you can have, the best of everything, perhaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, I always get a kick out of what happens to these Disney stars. Because mm. <laughs> I grow up watching all these kids that are superstars on like Disney Channel and Nickelodeon and shit like that. And then they grow up and they're... And they messed up. And they're like <laughs> sex, sex symbols or doing drugs and... <laughs> right. It's like, it's <laughs> like the opposite going, going on. Trying to get away from that stereotype. Yeah. First you're watching Brenda's song on sweet life of Zach and Cody act like a little prissy teenage girl. Next thing you know, she's sucking Zuckerberg's dick in a bathroom stall on social network. <laughs> oh, right. Okay. That she was on the Disney channel. Okay. All right. Yeah. I mean, you're just like, what's going on with these Disney stars. And then, and then next time you're watching Ariana Grande and this little cute show on Nickelodeon, the next thing you know, she's an international superstar and sex icon. And, um, you know, in the throes with Mac Miller and Pete Davidson. You're just like, what's going on? <laughs> yeah. It's like, how do these characters evolve? It's like, it's gotta be the fame I or something. I think pressure we put people through, not just young, like ju- not just like juveniles, but also adults in general, the pressure that we're put through just to, you know, um, live up to the personas that we create for ourselves is it can be mm-hmm. can be shattering sometimes and the, the 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 thing that we become most interested in is like breaking that and just being who we want to be but then you know uh, I, I guess if you're if you're subjected to that lifestyle enough the reaction is going to be proportional uh so imagine if you're just i don't know it's the same with boy bands as well like the boy band will be sweet and innocent and then when they finally break up and then they become solo artists like they can finally do the things they wanted to do all that time but um i don't know i think it depends i mean i want to talk about the jonas brothers i mean i mean they've pretty much broken up and you know nick jonas is doing great (laughs) oh no no absolutely i'm not saying that they don't do as good in fact they sometimes most i don't know like ariana grande did a lot better britney spears did a lot better justin timberlake did a lot better um but it just shows you what they were wanting to do probably for a lot of the time that they were being still stereotyped that way. And Mm -hmm. in some cases you see it manifest in their personal life as well. Like Brittany had a breakdown, which everyone probably remembers where she went Mm -hmm. bald and did some crazy stuff. Miley Cyrus had a breakdown, uh, but that was probably um, precipitation. Oh, started on Miley Cyrus. Jesus, she went from sweet little country girl in Hannah Montana to Hannah Montana. Yeah, finding what twerking I like, is. I like that. <laughs> I like that person. I feel. I feel like she's found her groove now after all of that. And, and so, the uh, same could be said about Britney Spears. I think they needed to go through that. Like I said, the pressure was so great that the response had to be proportionate. And I feel like they pressure themselves so much that when they, when they finally break free, it has to be of that magnitude and then they can find it out. So so many artists that go through it. And I think we kind of just brush it off sometimes. Even Taylor Swift is going through it too. Like she used to be sweet, 
young teenage girl with all her country music and everything. She was awesome, like superstar. Yeah. Um, now she's like in the throes of pop music and is like very, very um, outgoing with her opinions, her, her opinions on women, um, which are fine. I, I think it's awesome and, and music and stuff. But I mean, also with her body and everything, it's just completely different. And I'm just like, okay, well, this isn't the little girl doing country music anymore. <laughs> people grow up. Um, people grow up. Yeah. That's just, I mean, some people, yeah. some people grow up, you know, but I mean, some people grow up and completely change. Mm. And mm. it's almost like, well, <laughs> just accepting Didn't reality. Coming. <laughs> Didn't see no. that. <laughs> yeah. But I, you know, for everything, well, everything said, Leonardo seems to have conquered. I mean, when you think of Hollywood actors, He's definitely in the top. Yeah, he's definitely in the top ten. I don't know if he's definitely he's in the top five, but he's definitely in the top ten. A, I don't think you can measure it based on Oscars and nominations. No. I, I think he's a good example of how that's not fair. Yeah, um, and how he's kind of been um, screwed over a little bit. But you know, in terms of being an actor, he's a legend and a modern legend at that. Being able to reinvent characters and roles to expand them, to modernize them, to bring out a character in a book or in a play, um, you know, to real life, um, to bring and match the character of a real personality, a real person and tell their story, even if it is overly dramatic, like Jordan Belfort, for example. But Jordan um, Belfort is overly, <laughs> have you ever is overly dramatic, but I mean, watched him. I, yes, I have. And he's awesome. I just, I'm not sure which version of him I like better, his authentic version or the Jordan Belfort. Well, let's just, uh, I, I, think I, I think I like the Jordan Belfort today better, but I find the Jordan Belfort kind of crawling to his Lamborghini much more entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> it's far more entertaining. I don't know if that ever happens, but no. it, was, it was incredibly funny. It was. That was great. It, in was such a fucked up way. It, you should not be laughing at that movie. You should yeah. not be laughing at any of it, but you are. It's just, it's amazing how they can take a movie like that. It will take something that happened in history and turn it into something so fucking funny. Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Crazy. And I'm not even, I mean, it's like, it was clearly wrong for him to do that. Jordan, I mean, but yeah, <laughs> it was clearly very wrong for him to do that. But there's something very romantic about the idea of someone doing exactly what they want, even if it's not, you know, even if it's not good for everyone, if it's what they want and they just unabashedly go out and do it. You know, like all of the tales of the of the, yeah. of the train robbers, um, Billy the Kid. Yeah, but I mean, it's, it's like, how do you look at it though? Like there was kind of like an underlying like, moral to Wolf of Wall Street to the movie um, you know it was it was mostly a dramatic comedy but there was a moral where you know he was doing what he wanted what he believed in but at the same time he was also changing people's lives too he was helping a lot of people um, you know not just teaching them but also like providing for them and giving them you know means to oh you mean his, you know, uh, his click the people yeah his click his, his co-workers his following um, gave him knowledge, gave him money, gave him opportunities, you know, changed a lot of lives too. brought mm-hmm. people out of situations they would never be able to pull themselves out of. True. Um, and you know, yeah, he did something this illegal, 
he did something that, you know, went against what our written laws are. But I mean, we have those debates all the time, you know, for financial reasons, some of it's kind of stupid, you know, and others like, yeah, he's did a bunch of drugs and was crazy and very outgoing and unabashed. Um, you know, there's consequences to that too, but you know, I mean, it's, I think morally, I think it's a different answer. Like, did he do something illegal? Yes. Did he do something wrong? I think that's up to you. And I think that's, um, right. I think that's an interesting part of that movie, an interesting part of Jordan Belfort's story. Yeah. Maybe that really kind of reinvented him. Yeah. Yeah. The movie like really reinvented him. He's just like doing well and as a it definitely successful gave him, uh, a platform because when you come out of jail for something like that i'm assuming it's very difficult to get back on your feet yeah so so, so he probably did a good thing uh for himself to sell his story to hollywood if that's what happened if if someone didn't walk up to jordan or or call him and say hey we want well, to do a biopic uh if he actually went and took the initiative which i think he might have given how i understand Jordan to be, he probably took the initiative and kind of convinced Hollywood to do it. Probably had some connections too. So, you know, what I'm wondering is if he did that himself or if Hollywood reached out to him That's what or I mean, if I Leo reached out to him and wanted to take on that role. Like I haven't really looked into that, but yeah. you'd be curious to see like, what was the driving factor? Was Jordan Belfort pushing for Hollywood to reinvent his story somehow um, which is tough to do, or did Hollywood or Leo or another or the director just say like, this is a story we should run with. Mm. Like, I'm kind of curious. Be any of them, actually. I don't know. I haven't checked, um, but it's not uncommon for even actors, but also directors, producers to buy the rights to books or pieces of art. And, and in, in the hope that one day they can convert them to the big screen and um, I've, I've heard of a bunch of projects that actors and, and people in Hollywood have been trying to bring to the big, big screen for a long time, but they just haven't been able to for whatever reason, maybe because of scheduling conflicts or whatever, or funding. Mm-hmm. But um, it's possible. Uh, but yeah, I mean, if anyone's listening to this and they haven't seen anything from Jordan Belfort online on YouTube, go and check it out because it's uncanny. The... Uh, the representation from Leonardo DiCaprio is spot on. Like he really gets. Yeah, well, that, well, that tells you that Leo studied hard for that too, that he did his research and bought into that role and that character, which means not only was he talking with him, but he was studying him, his personality. Hmm. Yeah. So they, they hung out a lot together, it, apparently. He, and if, you know, Leo is that into a role, you know, he, and then he's interested in it in general. So maybe he pushed for it. Who knows? Shot time. I think it's time to take shots. It is time um, to take shots. Mine's just been sitting there lonely. Lonely, lonely shot glass. There's only lonely. a few other actors that I know of that do that kind of thing. And the first one that comes to mind is Christian Bale. I think they call it, uh, it's not method acting. Is it method acting? I, I don't know the, the lingo. <laughs> but no, Christian Bale's good. But... In terms of buying into a role, I wouldn't put him in the same category as Leo. I would, however, put... Um, okay, it's interesting. But, I mean, in terms of buying into a role... Right. Um, Johnny Depp. 
Johnny Depp, I'd put in the same category or even more so like Johnny Depp, when he buys into a role, he's a completely different person. It's insane. Right. I mean, you can see that with the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah. But I mean, look at that with Edward Scissorhands, Pirates of the Caribbean, Willy Wonka, um, Transcendence. Yeah. Um, all these movies he's done. Uh, he's incredible when it comes to taking a character and just being the character like Leo's good at that too, but Leo's not putting on makeup and transforming himself. That's a, that's a really good point right there because wait, hold on. Has Johnny Depp won any Oscars? Uh, if he hasn't, I'd be surprised. <laughs> Let's see. Yeah. Let's ask Siri. Oh no. This no, could be a new feature. No, he hasn't. He's just got nominated for it. Hey Siri, has Johnny Depp won an Oscar? I'm not sure if Johnny Depp won, but I can help you search for award wins by movie. Wow, and Siri doesn't even know. Well, I think it's b- maybe because they're not really published anywhere uh, unless they publish them on their website. But then again, I don't know. It's funny that she doesn't know. I, I could see Johnny Depp sitting there with his iPhone be like, hey, Siri, <laughs> how many Oscars have I won? Well, and she's like, sorry, Johnny, I don't know. Like, oh, right. that's unfortunate. <laughs> um, yeah, you know what we could do? We could do like a, a, an episode where we talk about the best, the, the top actors or actresses and kind of like compare them because there's so many nuggets of of different people's performances that would merit conversation. Like I can think of mm-hmm. in terms of uh, Christian Bale, um, American Psycho is one of the most amazing transformations I've seen of anyone in film. Like it's just mm-hmm. insane how it's literally quite insane because he's playing a psychopath. Uh, but yeah, that's one of the best character performances I've ever seen. Um, and then I think Jared Leto did an amazing job in um, Dallas Buyers Club mm-hmm. where he transformed into like a, what would you call that? Like trans? So. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there's there's tons of tons of of roles. And Christian Bale also did a. I don't know if you ever saw the the movie. I think it's called Exodus, where it talks about um, Exodus? the whole the whole Moses story. Yeah, uh, I haven't seen it, but I was telling my mother about it yesterday because I was like trying to get her to watch Netflix, and she's really religious. Mm-hmm. And I was like, maybe you should watch this. Um, I haven't seen it. Why is it? Really good? No, it's, it's really good. It's um, it's definitely got this blockbuster twist to the whole Moses yeah. story, but it's right. almost like it's realistic too. It's like it takes like the um, it takes the the plagues and everything and makes them feel like it's something real that could have happened. Right. Um, it's really good too. Some great acting in it. Um, it's a little bit of history to it, and then um, Christian Bale does an incredible job playing Moses um, and kind of like bringing out the biblical side, but also like this historical realistic side. Right. Um, so it didn't feel like you're watching something religious. It felt like you're watching a part of history. Bingo. Um, I, yeah. I, yeah. I thought that was an incredible movie. I wanted to watch something with, you know, my mom and my dad so we can have mm-hmm. a proper, you know, like we used to. Uh, I sit down and get some popcorn, watch Passion of the Christ. <laughs> oh, she, yeah, maybe not. I mean, she watched that the other day. Like, Do you want to watch this? I was like, nah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I, I know what happens. I don't need to see it. 
<laughs> yeah, apparently it's very difficult to watch that. Okay, I'm going to take this shot. You ready? Yep. Three. All right. Two. Two. One. One. Tink. That's not a friendly thing. I just realized that. Well, how does it taste to you? What's the what's the what's the flavor like taking a shot? It tastes like a it tastes like a Corona bat. A Corona bath. A Corona bat. Uh, <laughs> I just realized the logo for Bacardi on the bottle is a bat. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, you're safe. It's the Corona bat. <laughs> this tastes sweet, undeniably, but it it is too much for. You know, it's too much to take in this form. I, I think it would be nice with on the rocks. Um, put a bit of lime in there, maybe, um, and a, like a tiny bit of soda. I don't know. That would be nice. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wish I had some lime right now. That'd be that'd be wonderful. But I'd need some tequila. <laughs> or I could get some Corona. Corona's on quite a discount here in Colombia. Mm. I bet it is, and it's also stocked to the max in the UK. Yeah, no, one, no one's grabbing it off the shelf. Again, it's so weird what people grab off the shelf. They're still going for the fucking bread. Still going for the bread? <laughs> yeah, and the alcohol is completely restocked. Like, people will go for the hard alcohol, but, you know, it's fully restocked now. No one's touching the beer for whatever reason. No one's touching the rice or the, or the spaghetti or any of the non-perishables. It's mm. like everyone's just... Doing buying normal shit. I'm just like, well, that's going to work for me, I guess. <clears throat> yeah, in the um, in the UK, where we're going for the toilet roll still, uh, for some reason. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I don't know why though. Like one roll lasts like a fucking long time. If you yeah. get the big jumbo rolls, <laughs> so uh, he, you know, it's like the sh- you know following. It's like they're following the herd, isn't it? You know, once once yeah. it starts, it's it's undeniable. You're going to get a lot of people kind of jumping on board. But um, we're good for toilet roll, just in case you're wondering, everyone. Um, yeah, you know, I think people have adapted pretty well so far, too. Like, <laughs> people aren't, you know, freaking out as much. Everyone's getting used to the situation, at least here in, in Medellin. Um, like, businesses are still making money. Like, the delivery service uh, for business is is booming Mm. Um, Uber Eats, Rappi, um, everything that delivers food here in Colombia, they're working nonstop right now delivering because people have to stay at home and they can't go outside except for one day a week, sometimes two days a week. Really? Um, oh God. Yeah. We can't, we can't go anywhere. So, I mean, people are stuck at home, but yeah, it's different in every country. Like, and I'm glad that the military hasn't gotten involved, you know, or the police seem to not have gotten, gotten involved, at least as far as you've been telling me, right, in Colombia. I was really I was really worried about the police or military getting involved. But, you know, the good thing here is that we have so far successfully curved uh, the cases for coronavirus. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it's topped out at like almost 4,000 across the country. And we only have 200 or so cases in Medellin. Right. Which is incredible based on how quickly it's fucking grown everywhere else. Um, so what they're doing here is working. Um, and we're all kind of hoping we can do some more normal things by the 27th, um, which is when it's supposed to end. But, you know, this, they're probably going to have to keep the airport shut down for a while. 
you know, one of the biggest reasons, you know, this is spread is on airplanes and people bringing it from other countries. Mm-hmm. That's how Columbia got it. So mm-hmm. I imagine that travel, air travel will be very strict, mm-hmm. but I think some normal things will pick up again soon. But I mean, what I worry about most is this second wave. And I, yeah. I don't know if it'll be bad here or not. But I know in most places, you know, that second wave is going to hit hard because everyone's stuck at home, antsy as shit. You know, as soon as they can go do a normal thing, they're going to spend all their money, fuck everyone that walks, uh, <laughs> drink every bottle they can find. You know, it's going to be a disaster. Mm. It's going to be absolute fucking disaster. I'm just waiting for it to happen. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's, let's bide our time. And um, hope for the best. <laughs> hope for the best. Expect the worst. Um, it's skyrocketing in the U.S. right now. I know we shouldn't be talking about yeah, that. Yeah, I know. But I am just flabbergasted at the amount of uh, new infections. And, you yeah, know, I hope people in the U.S. don't adopt the uh, Jacksonville m- mindset because it's <laughs> shocking to me how uh, – how that beach filled up that quickly. I mean, come on guys. Anyway. No, people are stupid. I'm telling you, people are, you know, they're not smart. They're going to follow the herd. They're going to want, as soon as they think that things are normal because, you know, your government tells you things are normal, they're going to go in to the extreme. You know, most young people didn't get a spring break. We're on the cusp of summer. Mm. No, people want to get out there right now. Yeah. It's going to be a huge problem. Everyone's seriously going to be fucking everything that walks, drinking everything on the table, mm. buying everything they can. They're going to be moving around like crazy. I guarantee you this is going to crop up and it's going to be as bad as the first wave. Um, it's at least in these countries, mm. these big first world countries. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that will happen or not in Colombia. They seem, you know, smarter on average in my opinion as people but you know it's it's gonna happen mm. yeah i'm obviously trying to be optimistic but that's the reality it will happen yeah i, I don't think we're gonna get on it anytime soon but um i think things will change after this so we're, we're gonna have to keep our distance for a long time probably until a vaccine comes out but yeah, throughout no. the year, my friends, yeah, we're not going to have a vaccine for a while. And this virus mutates and it's very malicious. So, yeah. I mean, this yeah. is going to be a, a year long issue. The question is, are people really going to take it seriously and adapt, you know, to curve this virus and then have better standards going forward? Are people going to stop eating bats and wet markets? Mm-hmm. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, are we going to have better procedures? Are people going to wash their hands more? I don't know. <laughs> I, hope, but, I hope they do. I hope they do stop eating bats. <laughs> I really hope I they don't do. See the point. What's you know, wrong with chicken? Why do you have to eat chicken of the cave? I don't get it. What's <laughs> wrong with just eating chicken? <laughs> that's 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 a whole episode right there. Is the wildlife trade in China? I mean, <laughs> it's a, it's a it's a complicated. Beast. When you eat whatever walks down the street, there's a problem, a societal problem. That's not culture. That's just messed up. This is 2020. You just know, because you see somebody like walk down people, the street. And, and so, so just to touch on this a little bit, uh, most people don't actually eat that stuff. It's a very specific cl- clientele and usually they're very rich. 
So, you know, have you ever, you know, have you ever heard of the tiger trade? You probably have. Yeah. I mean, that is not the average person's meal. First of all, they could never afford it. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's, it's, it's there for a certain dem- demographic and this demographic is incredibly wealthy. And it's, so it's that kind of social stratification and it's ridiculous, I know, but it's there. And they also have a powerful lobbying uh, presence in the government. Uh, so it, it gets complicated. It's, it makes a lot of money every year. Uh, yeah, it, it baffles me how stupid people can be rich sometimes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, I don't think uh, financial status is any indication of intelligence. <laughs> no, no I, I think in many situations it's not. <laughs> and I, I think in some of these... Um, and I stand by being <laughs> <laughs> No, it's... Tiger. Why would you want to eat a tiger? This just makes sense. Why would you want to eat a bat or a ferret? Yeah, it's it's like, one of those things. Why? That, at the same time, it's like, why would you want to own a yacht? Like, ugh, okay, fair enough. Like, but you don't really need one, do you? But I, I yeah, get but a whole nother level to eating an animal, which um, which is obviously endangered, or you shouldn't even be touching. There's, the, there's a difference between wanting to have a big, nice boat, you know, and going and sailing and having a great time with friends or family. It's another to say, I want to kill this exotic animal and eat it because it makes me feel superior. Yeah. That's probably a big difference. huge <laughs> difference. Anyway, back to Wilhelm DiCaprio. <laughs> yeah. So what's your favorite, um, what's your favorite? Okay. What are your top three Leonardo DiCaprio movie. I'm sure we've all seen more than three. Um, I'm just going to start with number one because that's the one I know for certain. That's uh, Inception. Okay. Um, and then if I have to pick a two and three, I'd have to say. Um, I think I know what they're going to be, but you go ahead and I'll tell you if I was right. And I have to pick one based on something that's just fucking entertaining. So Wolf of Wall Street would be two or three. Okay. Um, I, I think it's. It's awesome that he can like bring out a real life person's character, but also turn it into a comedy and be that entertaining. Mm. Um, it was a great movie. Mm. <laughs> um, it was a great movie. Great. It was a great movie. Um, and then my other number two or three would probably be. Um, God, it's hard to pick. It's a tough one. Probably, Rome, probably Romeo and Juliet. Mm. Okay. Um, just, Why just that? because I, I like poetry. Okay. I, I think it's a interesting old form of art and writing that's kind of lost now. Yeah. And yeah. I think um, being able to show that you could take something that's that sacred to people and old and modernize it. Mm. I think there's something very special about that. And then, you know, also it's like a pivoting point for him in his career that turned into a superstar um, it's one of those movies that, you know, we were made and forced to watch when I was in high school, <laughs> when I was in college, no matter what, because it taught us about Shakespeare. Mm. Um, yeah. And it's, yeah. you know, it's not just like a movie with random actors. You don't know. It had Leonardo DiCaprio. I feel like so, Shakespeare, if w- were he alive today, would have he loved it. approved <laughs> of 
Romeo and Juliet. Um, if Shakespeare were alive today, he would have been like, why didn't I think of that? <laughs> yeah. Why didn't I thinketh of that? <laughs> why? I don't know how the fuck would have said it, but. <laughs> why didn't I think of, of this, of that, of that, that. <laughs> yeah. They need to make like a translator for that. They tried, but it doesn't really work very well. I'm, I would have loved the proper one. Um, Old Nordic. Just no demand for it anymore. <laughs> Uh, Who maketh thine movie about thine thine poetry? Wouldn't that be hilarious though if the if Google did do that just for a PR stunt, and everyone <laughs> ended up using it, and we all started talking in old English with each other? That would be funny as uh, that'd be funny. Yeah, cometh with me, Clement, <laughs> to thine to thine bar. <laughs> um, all right, so for me, uh, let's see. My favorite is going to be, well, I did like Inception a lot, to be honest with you. So I'm going to be boring, but it's just because it's, it's true. I'm not going to lie. I think I liked Inception the most. And it's probably- I think we should talk about it then. Not, not for his performance necessarily, but just because out of all of the movies he's done, that was the one I found most entertaining. And I think that's part yeah, of Yeah, well, he's done a few movies that are kind of deep and that make you think, and they're also kind of like- confusing at the end and throw you off yeah um but that's christopher nolan right. for you i mean jesus he's one of the masters of modern cinema um yeah i know with most of his movies now but leo's been in a few like that did christopher nolan do shutter island as well no shutter island was um martin scorsese i think okay yeah, so i yeah, think martin scorsese yeah yeah i think yeah, I think Leo's kind of an influence in that too. I think that's just kind of the stuff he likes. No, yeah, for sure. No, I think he, he does. seems to have this fascination in like the mind and everything. Yeah, um, and like, the thing I liked about yeah, the thing I liked about Inception the most that makes it my favorite movie with him, um, it's it explores a different trope. Like it's not like a good versus evil or hero movie or love story or anything like that necessarily like there's that stuff is kind of in there mm. but it's about a concept and it, it, right. it dives so deeply into a concept that you get lost in it and you're fascinated yeah um this whole idea of not just dreaming but you know being able to manipulate someone's mind via a dream being right. able to uh remove a memory or, or put in a memory and um, fabricate something and change someone's entire, you know, course in life, their entire destiny based on one moment, you know, uh, via their dreams. Uh, it was a really interesting concept and it made me think a lot too when I first saw that movie and I'm like, what if that was possible or is that possible? Mm -hmm. like, could you seed an idea in someone's mind through a dream? Like, would that actually work? Um, you know, they explained it in such an intricate way that, you know, it almost seems believable. Yeah. Uh, it could be believable or real. Um, yeah. And I, it wasn't not having the, like I, for yeah. me, <laughs> you might laugh, but I, I really genuinely did think about this. And it, it was Jurassic Park when it first came out. I was wondering, <laughs> is it possible to find, because there are tons of, of, mm -hmm. of amber droplets with you know ancient ancient insects in there i was like is it possible to get you know blood or dna from a from a mosquito like millions of years ago and use that but apparently it's not 
so we can't. But well, the thing about Jurassic Park, there was a key lesson. It's that you know genetics is much more complicated than we think. Right. The problem that with Jurassic Park, um, like like in the movie, the problem that caused the dinosaurs to be smarter or to breed faster, to do all these things that made them dangerous, that caused all these problems was. You're, you were filling their genome with the genome of a similar uh, species Bird, yeah. because you didn't have a complete genome. Yeah. Uh, you know, yeah, you could you know, collect some DNA from an amber blood sample from millions of years ago to bring a dinosaur back, but you'd have to fill in the gap somehow. Most likely that DNA is damaged. Mm-hmm. I still um, remember you know, the young guy they played on the, when they were showing, explaining it. It was really good the way they did that. It was like yeah. Disney. Yeah, they found like, frozen like woolly mammoth like body parts or mini woolly mammoths and stuff like that and they've got enough like dna and stuff from like bone marrow that they think they could actually clone a woolly mammoth and bring it back to life like the whole the whole species um you know breeding it with elephants or using elephant dna to fill in the gaps wow um like yeah they could do that it's possible they're like working on it but, you know, I don't think there's anything dangerous about elephants that would make woolly mammoths like a huge threat to humanity, <laughs> like with Jurassic Park. But, I mean, there's some scientific stuff they do throw in there that's pretty accurate that, you know, plays a part in like the central part of that movie, which is the disaster of mm-hmm. Jurassic Park. Yeah. Um, well, they're bringing the whole cast back for the next one. So that'll be fun to watch. A bit of nostalgia there. Yeah. Yeah, I like Jurassic yeah. Park. But yeah, these movies, they're, they're, they are mind-blowing uh, because you've never seen anything like that before. At least I, I hadn't seen anything like Shutter Island when I watched it. So that would be I, my either my second or my third favorite movie. Um, by the way, on this, while we're talking about this specific film, uh, Shutter Island, it's a psychological thriller. And mm-hmm. it's very deep because it goes deep into the mind of this guy and what, you know, what he believes is reality opposed to actually what is reality and you completely get thrown off. Um, another great movie I watched recently, which you might want to check out, uh, is called mm-hmm. The Lighthouse. And it's relatively new. I think it was finished last year. It's got Robert Pattinson and um, Willem Dafoe in it. And it's literally just those two guys. And they go into oh, a lighthouse. Yeah. Yeah, and they spend like months in there together. And it's actually, um, I'm not going to spoil it for everyone because it's very new, but it's actually based on uh, Greek mythology. So the two characters are basically modern interpretations of two of the biggest Greek mythological characters of history. And it's fascinating how they dive into that old story. Like we were talking about Shakespeare, how all the best stories are the mm-hmm. old ones. Well, there's some really good ones from Greek mythology, which have kind of been played over and over again in different ways. And so this is a really nice take on it. And uh, yeah, they kind of go insane together. And that, that that's basically as much as I explained. <laughs> it's a great. That's fun. I'll pick it up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my third, my third favorite, let's say my third favorite. I, I don't know how to, cause there's, it's quite a few. The Departed. I would say The Departed is my third favorite one. I really mm. love that film. I love the way that they, um, and it's not, it's not, it's not entirely original, because it was based on a Hong Kong movie called um, Infernal Affairs, <laughs> uh, where <laughs> it was basically exactly the same story, but it was based in Hong Kong, 
um, mafia person gets uh, kind of qualifies for the police and someone from the police goes undercover in a mafia family and then they fucking meet each other and they become friends and whatever. Yeah, I just found the story was really, really nice. And the way they did it in Hollywood, it was like a lot easier to watch than the Hong Kong one, even though it wasn't bad, but it was still not there. And when they did this one, I was like, oh shit, okay, I'm going to watch that. So, you know, there's... um, There's uh, Jack Nicholson in there, Mark Mark Wahlberg, in in one of his better roles. I don't know why, probably because he doesn't get given too much screen time. <laughs> yeah, Mark Wahlberg's a good actor, but he's he's also really funny. I like his personality. <laughs> yeah, I can I can watch Mark Wahlberg, but I yeah want to yeah you like movie you like my movies you like my movies where he's like <laughs> yeah. yeah. Where he's like the main character. I'd rather watch a movie where he's a supporting actor. I don't know why. I think it's too much for me. Uh, well, he was pretty good in Ted. <laughs> Ted was pretty funny, yeah. Ted was pretty funny. I think those are the roles where he kind of shines, you know. But um, but I just really liked it. So it was a great movie. So those are my top three. Ones. Um, nice. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of good uh, Leo movies out there and – um, there's bound to be a lot more and he's done a lot more. We did not really do a comprehensive cover of like his whole life. Cause he's been so invested no, dude, in like humanitarian stuff. Um, he's done a lot for climate change. I think he's been like an ambassador to like the UN or something. He is an ambassador um, to the UN. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's done some crazy shit. Um, he's incredibly popular. Um, so we didn't do him enough justice, but um, it was a lot of fun talking about, him and his, you know, his ability and his skill and his passion and stuff. And then mixing that in with some other random shit. (laughs) Yeah. It's like essentially kind of like a study on what potentially makes someone that likable and that successful. Like what are the traits and, um, and what are the the things that they've provided or produced to society that, that are, you know, kind of, Notable. He makes you. He makes you fall in love with a character or relate to a character. Exactly. And he did that a lot when he was younger, which was the most surprising thing. Because as an older actor, sometimes or actress, it takes you a long time, many years, you know, to get that good at a role, mm. um, play a character. Right. He was able to do that as a kid, and he was able to capture mm. minds, capture hearts. You know, that's why he's a legend. I have that's this why theory now that you've just mentioned that. I have this theory that, you know how you mentioned that it takes a while to become like a master at your craft, it, according to mm. um Well, it takes time, not necessarily a while, but it depends on what it is. Right. So there's a book uh, called Outliers, which is the story of success by Malcolm Gladwell. And he basically mm. boils it down to on all of the studies he did, it's around about 10,000 hours to master something. And you're right. Like some people just go in to being an actor or an actress and they're just immediately great. And then they get better usually, but, but it's not like they're getting, it's not like they're starting from nothing and then they're getting better and better over time. And my theory is like, well, I don't know if it's a theory or not, but like, it's not like a hard skill, is it? It's a soft skill and you're, you're kind of born with a lot of that as a talent. And then the rest of it is something you learn as you grow up. So I think the best actors and actresses are the ones that can bring those almost like innate talents and understandings Mm -hmm. of social interaction 
and just kind of make it tangible for people to relate to, you know, like the worst actors are the ones that can't translate that and are very kind of rigid and, um, mechanical when it comes to their act. They're not organic. They're not bringing in their, their real life experience. So, so unlike other, other, um, you know, unlike other jobs, acting is something that you're, you know, everyone could be great at it, but, you know. Yeah, I think it depends on three dynamics, honestly. I think it, one, it depends on your skill level and like, is it something you're actually good at? Mm-hmm. Um, like, do you have a talent for it? And then two, um, your passion for it. Like, are you willing to work on it? Are you willing to learn? Um, and then three, the, the time you put in while you're willing to learn. You know, I think you put all three of those things together, especially the passion and the time. Right. Um, you know, yeah, you, you can do just about anything. It doesn't have to be just acting. Um, I think it's for any skill, anything you want to learn, any anything you want to improve on or anything you want to, to do in life. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, absolutely. But I, yeah, I mean, I, what I'm trying to say is, you know, in, in our real lives, when the cameras aren't rolling and we're just living, mm-hmm. essentially w- you could take a snapshot of that and that could be part of a movie because it's genuine. You know, like your fit of rage one day could have been part of a movie just filmed in the right way. And you would have been fine because it was real, (laughs) Um, but not many. Yeah, enter the Kardashians. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I've ever watched one of their shows. I have. They're brilliant. It's it's the stupidest show ever. There's no point to it. They just film their lives and uh, it's entertainment for people. People, They make money off massive following you know for that reason it's brilliant you know they they orchestrate their lives in a certain way that they can um you know share it with the world and and you know they have to give up some like privacy and things like that obviously to you know put themselves out there in the public that much but with it comes incredible fame incredible like dedication in terms of their their following their audience and the money and um, I definitely have a lot of respect for them for, for being able to pull off, you know, the successes they have. What they've done is quite brilliant. Mm-hmm. Honestly, um, I, I don't, I'm not going to speak to their individual levels of intelligence right. at all no, no, no. <laughs> um, because I question it sometimes, you know, you know, but as a family, their family intelligence together, they seem to be incredibly great at business in, in terms of the entertainment industry. Yeah. I think one of the, I think one of the real kind of, um, I think one of the real issues people have with it, which is why it's either a love or hate relationship that you have with that, that family is the, what are they actually influencing? <clears throat> mm-hmm. And when you think about it on a, a fundamental level, you could argue that what they're actually influencing is very superficial. And it doesn't lead yeah. to, you know, good social dynamics or whatever. Uh, so that's, I think that's really where the issue comes in. But from a purely uh, entrepreneurial, you know, um, business development perspective, they're very good, very good. And I have a lot of respect for them, mm-hmm. but I don't know if I can, you know, get behind the whole message. I think the whole message is, <laughs> is something beyond me. <laughs> I, I think the message is... Uh, questionable sometimes. Like I think the things they do, I don't necessarily agree with, or if I had a daughter, I don't know if I'd want 
her to watch them all the time (laughs) or emulate them. But, you know, at the same time, you know, they do, they do kind of reel it back to earth a little bit and they're not like totally out there like they used to be. But at the same time, it's like, they're appealing to every young girl out there that wants to be hot. Every young girl that wants to be a badass. Like they're appealing to all those young, gorgeous women out there and they idolize these girls. Uh, I don't know a single girl that doesn't idolize Kylie Jenner, for example. Yeah, you got to well, I don't think Kylie Jenner Kylie Jenner is hasn't done shit with her life yet. Honestly, she is a part of a very wealthy, successful family that's been doing this reality TV series for a long time. And she just, you know, has this uh, billion dollar makeup line now, How which old is she, she now? didn't like 23, 24, something like that. She has, or maybe even younger. I don't know. She has a, like a billion dollar makeup line that just magically poof came out of nowhere because she's so famous. Mm, she's 22, bro. That's very young. Yeah. And how wealthy. out of, out of just her fame, just being a part of the show Mm. that shows you how much influence they have. She doesn't have those business skills. She didn't build a billion dollar makeup business. Mm. She just launched it and it was a billion dollars because her following is so fucking huge. Mm. It's crazy. That's, I mean, Kim Kardashian's had that kind of fame for a long time. So has the rest of the family, um, you know, Kylie Jenner, uh, Kendall Jenner, you know, they've expanded their little, TV series Empire quite a bit. I think that's um, really the uh, that's really the core driver behind is that philosophy uh, behind any kind of online business now is that you really have to have that engaged following that loyal yeah. group of people that will buy your stuff once you present it to them and uh, we can that, that's that's another episode too is talking about personal branding because you know, it long gone are the days I think where, you know, you literally just present an offer, uh, unless, you know, unless you're solving a real problem, you, you know, you can, you can do that. Yeah. If you're, if you're a personal brand and you're selling education or you're selling your knowledge, I think it really does change the game when you have that engaged following. So that's this. Yeah. But their, their personal brand is built around their personality though. Like I'm trying to build a personal brand. I know you're trying to build a personal brand. Mm -hmm. It's very difficult, Mm -hmm. but if I was, if I was a girl and I was super hot, my following would be huge. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, you can't deny they are incredibly, you know, photogenic and just really good in the camera, in front of the camera. And they, they you, you can say attractive, Clement. Okay. You can say attractive. Well, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. But I'm just talking about from most people. <laughs> but I mean, there's, okay. Go onto Instagram, for example. There are so many, uh, some of the biggest accounts, they're all females and they're hot females. That's what's appealing to people. Yeah. But it's I mean, appealing like, okay, to, young, look at it's appealing to young women. It's appealing to men. Um, you know, you don't see a lot of men with profiles like that that are super popular unless they're like a model through an agency or something. Okay, like any hot girl perspective, like because if you take their that those women and you put them on a podcast platform, they're not going to do so well, perhaps because they no, because you can't see them. Exactly, <laughs> I mean, it depends depends on the platform. It depends. Like on if platform. I, you can build. A if I hop on a podcast, and for me, it's all about the audio. And I'm spewing out 
information and knowledge and things I've learned and things I want to share, it's going to do really well. But if I go around and start, you know, dancing around and on Instagram and taking my shirt off, it's not going to have the same effect as it will a hot girl or yeah. a very attractive, but beautiful girl. Like, even if they're smart, you know, I mean, if, to their benefit, I mean, there's a lot of girls like that. They're also super smart and they don't do podcasts and they don't put out more intelligible information they should exactly but and 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 so this is this is the point i'm trying to make it's like it, it really depends on the platform and instagram and you know the more visual platforms like tiktok are obviously going to stimulate people more if the subject is very easy to look at yeah um, but but when it comes to podcasting or or even youtube to a certain degree it's it's about the it's about whatever else they have to bring to that long form content and um and so you know if you're not good looking or if you don't feel like you're good in front of the camera there are other ways to build your personal brand but we can cover all of this in another episode i would love to with you i think we would do a really good episode for people help them kind of get their bearings on how they could go about you know starting something medium to long term yes i think there's some things that are that men are doing wrong (laughs) and uh, when it comes to social media but i think there's also things that women are doing wrong because i mean women are getting massive followings through these platforms and it's awesome because you know for them it should be something that's empowering and they should be proud of Mm. but i mean I also feel like they're not taking advantage of it. Like there's, you have the ability with a huge following now to like show how smart you are and all these things you can do and all these thoughts you have and yeah, um, you can't like engage your following, but all you're doing is putting out booty pics, which are fine. But I mean, like that's not going to make money too. Yeah. I think, um, yeah. hmm, Go ahead. No, that's in my thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> Just a hard stop. Boom. Um, yeah, there's there there seems to be perhaps less of an experience in actually having a, a plan in place for this. Um, and, you know, give fair dues. A lot of the accounts that are created, they're just for fun to begin with. And then they kind of spiral into something that perhaps could be monetized. So... Mm. Yes. Again, this is something we, we could definitely help people figure out like how to build a longer term strategy that would somehow monetize in the future. Not immediately, because that would not be a good idea in my opinion, but you know, maybe mm-hmm. the medium to long term, you could start to f- play around with ways of getting a revenue stream created around that personal brand, especially if you're, you know, having trouble right now. Um, in this time where commerce just isn't really happening like it used to, and you mm-hmm. might, you, know, you might have lost your job, and you you know you don't want to be in a situation ever again. I think that having something online right. where you can monetize it is one of the key key ways to avoid that in the future. Cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Shall we do another shot? Yeah. Yeah. Let's. Oh, hold on. Hold on. I gotta pour this. <laughs> it's okay. You know what I think? I want I'll, every now that we're doing shots every week. I want to get one of those um, shot measures that you put on the top of a bottle, or even just the. the, the yeah, I can do that. that you know, there's, I saw a really cool invention for that, but for um, for smoking, um, for like <laughs> for like bongs. Um, there's like a bong tracker that people are working on. So like you can track how many hits you take when you pull out of a bong. Oh, <laughs> it's, quite, it's quite brilliant though. 
Um, it'd be cool to actually measure that. Like you could measure alcohol. So let's say, so basically it's, it's like a, it's like a filter and you breathe it in through the filter and it will kind of read out. Yeah. So I, I don't know how it would work exactly, but I mean, you pull the smoke, maybe it's just based on airflow. Maybe there's like a flap or something. Right. It works yeah. airflow and yeah. then it counts, um, and counts off when you pull. And then maybe you could come up with a measurement for, for smoking. So people would know like exactly how much of a bong hit they would have to take to get high. Just I'm, like they would with yeah. drinking. Like I know like roughly where my limits are with drinking, but do people really know that with smoking? That'd be a cool invention. Bro, you know, the funny thing is you're talking about something that, and I'm not going to mention names because I'm not sure if I'm allowed to talk about this, but I'll, I'll just say <laughs> without names. But I was talking with uh, someone that I met in a WeWork about a year ago, and he is in the vaping business. So yep. He sells like vaping kits to, uh, to vaping uh, stores or, you know, whatever. And he said he was working on, um, yeah, he was working on a technology that would, you'd be able to configure the, the vaping pen or whatever it is that you're smoking through to limit you to a certain amount of nicotine uh, because they don't do that right now. And so it's very easy to get addicted to it. It's supposed to be the opposite. It's supposed to be a way to get you off smoking. But apparently right now, according to statistics, vaping is a way to get you into smoking. <laughs> um, well, there's, you got to be careful. There's a lot of cigarette companies that are trying to play the other side of the card right now because they're losing money badly. Yeah. Um, the tobacco business is dying Yeah. Um, because there's alternative forms. And, you know, what addicts you to the tobacco is the nicotine. So when you have a different type of nicotine addiction, mm -hmm. it pulls you away from traditional tobacco products. Mm -hmm. So a lot of these cigarette companies, they're pumping out millions of dollars into ads that are trying to link um, vaping as an entry point to cigarettes, which isn't true, or mm -hmm. trying to show that nicotine is bad for you because it's addictive. That's not true. It's... Nicotine's not bad for you. Nicotine's addictive, but it's not bad for you. It's you what sure? you're addicted to. You sure about that? Yeah, nicotine's a nootropic drug. It's not bad for you. It's highly addictive, and if you took a whole bunch of it, it'd be poisonous. But, but I mean, if you had it in small doses, it's not bad for you. It's a nootropic. It's it's actually improves cognitive function. Okay. Okay. I actually, for some reason, because I don't think I've ever researched this, thought that nicotine was bad for you uh mm -hmm. it's not okay fair enough there's I nothing wrong with nicotine. you Brandon. You, I get, you will never see a commercial that says nicotine is going to hurt you because they can't prove it it doesn't hurt you mm. all nicotine does is make you addicted to whatever the nicotine's attached to right so if it's nicotine and vegetable glycerin you'll be addicted to the nicotine and vegetable glycerin hmm. that's far better than being addicted to nicotine and tobacco tobacco long term is terrible for you right if you abuse right. it cool. um vegetable glycerin long term there's no study to show that it's bad for you right and that would um, make a lot of sense if the obviously and then they come out with all these studies right. saying right. that you know where the well there's chemicals in it there's chemicals in everything 
<laughs> there's fucking chemicals and everything. Like, can you be more specific? Like, <laughs> That's a good like some of these studies are absolute bullshit, but people buy into it because they don't understand it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. And, and there's a lot of misinformation, isn't there, from different industries? Like, for example, yeah, it's sad, isn't it, that you would resort to that kind of shit just to keep your business floating? Yeah. Well, it's like it's the same thing with oil. What do you think is happening with the, the clean energy industry? Yeah. They're constantly at war with the big oil cartels yeah. because, you know, if they become bigger and more popular, the oil cartels will die and lose business. And they're Ooh. starting to slowly. So they push back against it. Yeah. It's not affordable. It costs too much money. You know, it's not practical. Mm-hmm. But we can, we have this method of using like clean coal and <laughs> you know, safer safer methods for putting it into your car or your boats. Or <clears throat> we have different chemical versions of our oil gasoline combinations. I, they they come up with all kinds of bullshit. Mm. Jesus, they, they do it because they're losing money. I'm taking my shot now. Uh, yeah, we, 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 we've got a lot of stuff to talk about. We can tell. I think our audience can tell if they got this far that we literally have. We're, we're overflowing with thoughts about everything. <laughs> uh, so it'll be interesting to see how the next five episodes, ten episodes. Yeah, I just want to just reach through the, the camera slash microphone right now and shake you and tell you everything about my crazy ideas and theories. Like I have so many things running through my head and like, I'm sorry, Leo. I'm so sorry. If, if Leo, if you're watching or listening to this podcast, <laughs> yeah. this was supposed to be about you, but I think 90% of the time it's been about hashtag shower thoughts and though. conspiracies in the vaping industry. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, okay. I wouldn't be surprised though if, no, I probably would be surprised if Leonardo DiCaprio said <laughs> But I, I wouldn't be surprised if I got to speak to him through a message online. Because you can fucking do that with most celebrities now these days. I mean, yeah, you know, the there's account. actually a service. There's a service um, where you can, celebrities will list how much it costs for them to record like a short video for you. Oh, and God, you yeah. can send them, you yeah. can send them a script Crystal is talking about that recently. And he, yeah, you can send them a, yeah, uh, Kevin O'Leary does it. Like you can send them a script and if they want to do it, they'll, they'll accept it, uh, record a video of whatever you want them to say and they'll send it back and they get paid. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I think, um, uh, Chris Leo, he's a comedian, right? So he was taking a piss and he said that I signed up for the service. Um, and I made my price purposefully like so expensive, uh, and so he's more expensive, like than the most expensive celebrity on there, which is ridiculous. Cause you know, he's just an up and coming, you know, um, uh, comedian. And, and he just like, he keeps mentioning <laughs> that go to there, pay $20,000 and I'll leave you a message. That's all you got to do. Just go to the platform, <laughs> pay $20,000 and I'm going to leave you a personalized message. And he knows <laughs> that no one's going to do it, but you know what? Probably someone would fucking do it. They'd be stupid enough to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I wonder if Leo is on one of those platforms. Maybe we can get Leo to be like, I love pod shots. I love episode five. <laughs> you could definitely do it. <laughs> he, he, he did an entire, there was a hotel chain in Philippines where, where I used to live right. called the city of dreams. And it's probably Chinese to be fair, but, um, huge, huge casino and hotel and resort in the slap bang in the middle of Metro Manila. And they actually paid to get Martin Scorsese, Leonardo DiCaprio, <laughs> Robert De Niro, and Brad Pitt to do a short movie. 
that basically featured their entire resort in that short movie. And they were basically in the casino doing their little thing. And it was, it's entertaining to watch. But you can like, do anything with money. Yeah. They paid $70 million for it. I mean, well, that's casino money. very, I hope that was worth it for them. <laughs> I know. Right. Um, but then casinos make, I don't know how much, but I'm sure they make a lot more than that. Well, that's, that's incredible for an actor. Like it's like, Hey, do a short movie. It's not stressful. It won't take a lot of time. I'll give you $10 million. You kidding me? No. Yeah. Yeah. Of course you would, you would, I mean, it depends because they they probably get offers like this a lot. And so you get to choose. Um, but he, once you get into the commercial business, I mean, it's, it's a lot easier than Hollywood. This is a place where people go to basically lose all their money. So I'm not really sure. You know, um, but, but, uh, but yeah, there was a lot of money. I'm sure that played a lot, large part in it <laughs> and uh, it all turned up. Yeah. Watch it on YouTube. <clears throat> all right. Um, last shot of the episode. I did my shot. I'm waiting on you. <laughs> you did. Anything. <laughs> we can't see each other in the video. No, like we're watching each other. We, we can't see each other at all because we're prioritizing the audio at the moment. Yeah. So. I, I can't see when he takes his shot. It's hard to time it up, but Clement, better hurry up. Maybe you can tell by the time I've taken it how I. <laughs>